Thanks for joining us this weekend at Eaglebrook Church. We've been in a series and collection of talks called Out of the Crowd. What I know to be true for all of us is we can live in a world where sometimes you can just feel like a number. You can feel like that at your job. You can feel like that at your school. And I'd argue it'd be easy to walk through the doors of a church the size of Eaglebrook and feel like you're just another number, just another person in the crowd. But what this series is all about is how Jesus often called people out of crowds and gave them an invitation of a lifetime. If you're joining us today and you're not a church person, you're not a Jesus follower, if you're watching today's message and you're not, you're not one of those Bible people, I just want you to know, I think today's message is tailor-made for you. Because we're going to be looking at a person in Scripture who was most definitely not a church person. However, he was curious about who Jesus was, and that might be you. And the person we're going to be looking at today, his name is Zacchaeus. And I think what we're going to discover today is that there is a little bit of Zacchaeus in me, and there's a little bit of Zacchaeus in you. Now, his story is encapsulated in the Gospel of Luke, who was a doctor, and this doctor took meticulous notes on the stories and life of Jesus that he gathered from people who had a real-life encounter with Jesus. And in the 19th chapter of his Gospel, he says, Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region. Now, before we get deeper into this story, we have to get a keen understanding of what a tax collector was in this day and age. This was not a guy working at H&R Block, okay? This is not just your normal guy uh, at the IRS. Uh, In these times, tax collectors were despised by society, okay? The reason why is that tax collectors were Jews who had conspired with the Roman government to cheat people out of way more taxes than were actually owed. And they didn't just send a letter when you owe some taxes, okay? Like, you just didn't just get this letter. No, they would show up often with Roman soldiers and actually bully people and take money by force, and using this military force to cheat people out of money. So what you would have to do to get a tax collector in modern day terms is you would have to combine the IRS with the mob, and then you have what tax collectors were in Jesus' day. Now, tax collectors, they were viewed as traitors to their own people, sellouts. In fact, Tax collectors are so bad in Scripture that at one point it says that Jesus was eating with sinners and tax collectors. Like, tax collectors needed their own category. They couldn't be lumped in with regular sinners. Nope, it's sinners and tax collectors. Like, even murderers were like, at least I'm not a tax collector, okay? I just want you to get a keen understanding of who we're talking about right now. Tax collectors were the worst of the worst. Now, Zacchaeus, he isn't just a tax collector. He's chief tax collector. When the worst of the worst needed advice on how to be worse, they went to him (laughs) for guidance, okay? 
which makes him the worst of the worst of the worst. I just want us all to have a good picture of the guy that Jesus is calling out of the crowd. This is a bad dude with a capital B. His past was something in the way of Jesus calling him out of the crowd. I wonder if there's anybody here who has the same. I wonder if anybody here has some things in their past. In fact, I think Zacchaeus, I think he had four major hurdles in his life that kept him from coming out of the crowd and connecting with Jesus. And I believe that you and I can have some of those same hurdles. Today, I actually want to share four hurdles keeping us from a growing relationship with God. The first one is the mistakes we've made. Zacchaeus has bullied and cheated a lot of people. Zacchaeus has also taught others to do the same. He's got a history he's not proud of. And oftentimes we find ourselves in situations where it's the same. I wonder if anyone has some things in their rearview mirror that they'd be afraid to admit out loud. And, and maybe, maybe you cheated. Maybe you cheated on a test. Maybe you cheated on somebody. Maybe you stole something. Maybe a little retail theft's in your history. Maybe you lost your cool. Maybe you got a DUI. Maybe you've got an addiction that hasn't just hurt you, but it's also hurt people you love the most. And I think what can happen for you, for me, and for Zacchaeus is we can believe that we are the mistakes we've made. But here's what I want to encourage you with this weekend. The mistakes we've made are events, not outfits. We got to stop wearing them. We got to get them out of our wardrobe because what I've seen happen is for so many people, they will make mistakes and they will carry those mistakes for decades. And sometimes they'll allow other people to put those outfits on them. And I don't know who desperately needs to hear this statement this weekend, but you are not your failures. Your failures were moments in your life where you missed the mark. And I just want you to know that your future can be different when you give it to Jesus Christ. Do not let your history keep you from your destiny. Where we come from isn't nearly as important as where we're going. Because we're about to learn from the life of Zacchaeus that no matter who you are, where you've been, or what you've done, there's no life too far gone that Jesus can't reach. Luke tells us he's the chief tax collector and that he had become very rich. He's bad with a capital B. And he's rich with a capital R. I'm willing to bet that you've got somebody in your life that you would consider rich. You might be rich. But then there's people 
who are very rich. Like rich can fly first class. Very rich can fly private. Rich can eat steak. Very rich can hire a chef to make them a four-course meal. Rich has a nice house on the lake. Very rich got a few nice houses on a few lakes. You know what I'm saying? There are levels to this thing. You know what I'm saying? You ever met somebody that was rich and you met somebody that was very rich and they look poor? You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Now, the Bible isn't unfamiliar with people with wealth. There's lots of stories of men and women who had wealth. But in my opinion, it feels like the gospel writer Luke, who's a doctor, who would be considered rich, is letting us know, hey guys, there's me, the doctor, salaries of the world, kind of people rich. And then there's the kids. This leads us to the second hurdle that I think can keep us from a growing relationship with God, and that's Number two, the stuff we've accumulated. I think for Zacchaeus, he has accumulated a nice chunk of change, enough to make a gospel writer call him very rich. And in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus is famously quoted in saying that it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Now, there's a few different interpretations on what that means. Some say it's a literal needle. And others say it was a small gate in Jerusalem, whereby it was incredibly difficult for a camel to enter it unless it got on its knees. However, there's no translation or interpretation where Zacchaeus doesn't fit the description of someone who's got a hurdle. When it comes to connecting with Jesus, Jesus also said this in the Gospel of Matthew. He says, no one can serve two masters. It's pretty strong language. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, here's the deal. I know some incredibly wealthy people who are incredibly kind and incredibly generous. But what Jesus is referring to is the difference between someone who has wealth and someone where wealth has them. And I think what's true often for you and me is the more wealth, the more stuff, the more toys, the more gadgets, the more assets that we acquire. The more we can move from having those things to those things having us. I know people who have social media accounts with a robust following, but I also know people who have social media accounts that have them. The finer things in life can make a transition from things to gods if we're not careful. I have had a front row seat seeing family, friends, and colleagues go from, it'd be, it'd be nice, it'd be nice, it'd be cool, it'd be, man, it'd be nice if I had a second place, you know, perhaps somewhere in a warmer climate, someplace I could go visit when I don't want to be here, you know, that'd be cool. They've gone from that to, I got to, we have to, we got to keep up with 
Our friends, I think the reason Jesus uses what feels like strong language as it pertains to money is because he knows that money can take the place that only belongs to God. <laughs> Perhaps the biggest trap any of us could ever fall for is believing more money will give us more happiness. If that were true, Zacchaeus wouldn't be looking for something different. Zacchaeus teaches us that all the money in the world can still leave you searching for something money can buy. Zacchaeus' story goes on to say he tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd, so he ran ahead and climbed the sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. Zacchaeus, bad with a capital B, chief tax collector, rich with a capital R, very rich, and now he's little with a capital L. <laughs> he's a little guy. He wishes he was a little bit taller. He wishes he was a baller. He wishes he had a girl that looked good so he could call her. This is Zacchaeus. <laughs> we don't know the exact height of this man, but he's obviously shorter than the average man if he can't see over the crowd. But perhaps my favorite verse in his story is what the scriptures tell us about his heart before it tells us about his height. He's trying to get a look at Jesus. Here's a really bad guy trying to do the right thing. Sometimes we don't give credit to some people that are just trying to get a look Jesus, I just have to wonder if there's anybody in your life that's trying to get a look at Jesus, but they got some stuff in their life that's just keeping them from seeing who Jesus really is. I believe the third hurdle that can keep us from a growing relationship with God is the places we've come up short. I think we have all had a moment in our lives or we've fallen short of what other people wanted us to be, a moment in our life where we just felt not enough. I think we've all had a moment where we felt like the circumstances we were handed gave us some sort of disadvantage in our life. For Zacchaeus, his height gave him a disadvantage. And sometimes I think it can be the same with us. Perhaps it's something about our physical stature and appearance that can give us a disadvantage. Sometimes it's our age that can give us a disadvantage. Maybe you've had the thought that you're too old or perhaps you're too young. Does anybody have the exact age that's perfect? Sometimes it's the zip code in which you grew up in that gives you a disadvantage. Sometimes it's your parents' marital status 
gives you a disadvantage. Being raised in a single parent home can give you a, a disadvantage. Sometimes the greatest disadvantage a person can feel is the color of their skin. I just, I just have to wonder if there's anybody in Blaine, anybody in Spring Lake Park, in Anoka, Ham Lake, or Rochester, or Apple Valley, or in Wazetta, if there's anybody in White Bear Lake, anybody in Woodbury, anybody in Lion, or anybody watching online who's ever had a moment in their life where they've had to endure jokes about their shortcomings at their school. I wonder if there's anybody here today that has had to endure some jokes at work. I wonder if there's anybody today that's ever had to endure some jokes at a place you're supposed to call home. I wonder if there's anybody here who's ever laughed at a joke that wasn't funny just to survive. Ha, ha, ha. But it wasn't funny to you. I just wonder if there's anybody who's ever come up so short they made a decision to make fun of themselves before somebody else could beat them to the punch. I think for you and me, I think every single person under the sound of my voice has had a Zacchaeus moment in their life. And when we feel it, when we feel not good enough, we do what Zacchaeus did. We look for a tree to climb. We look for something to make us feel better about ourselves. Every single one of us has had a desire in our life to belong and to be loved, and some of us often go to great lengths to get there. And I am just amazed in 2023 by the amount of things people will do on the internet for attention. I mean, I just look at some videos and I just go, you ain't had nothing else. You at the bottom of the barrel. You just want, you, why would you do, like, why would you do that backflip off that bridge? You're going to die. You know that's not a great idea. It's like, but again, we'd be surprised at things that people would do for a like, for a share. The things that we'll post, the things that we'll sell, we will work harder, we will get more degrees. And these things by themselves aren't bad, of course. But, but what I love about Jesus is this message for us in this short yet rich IRS gangster. I want you to see this. It says, when Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said. What? Like, if you're Zacchaeus and you're sitting in a tree, you're thinking, how in the world does this man know my name? I'm the chief tax collector. This is Jesus Christ. We're on the opposite ends of the spectrum. I, I should be last 
on this guy's list. The good news today, ladies and gentlemen, is that apparently he's first. And you might be sitting here today wondering the same. Does God know my name? I believe he does. And the reason I believe that is because of what Jesus says in John chapter 10. He says, he's talking about shepherds. And, and he says, the gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Jesus is giving a, a description of how shepherds interact with their sheep. In fact, there are videos you can see on the internet where you literally see shepherds calling their sheep by name and literally guiding entire herds just with their voice. There is an intimate relationship that a shepherd has with its sheep. So yeah, I don't think you're just another number in the crowd. Now I... I think Jesus knows your name. I think Jesus sees your past mistakes. I think Jesus sees where you fall short in many areas of your life and wants to take you by the hand and lead you to a better place. When Jesus said Zacchaeus' name, it was almost as if he was saying, you don't need the tree for me to see and know who you are. I already know you, Zaki. I saw you in the crowd and I see you in the tree and I don't, I'm good. You don't got to do that. In fact, what he says next is he says, quick, calm down. My friends, I think this is it. I think this is the message. I think this is the message that you got to see and hear so loud and so clear. You don't need the tree. Come down. But Ryan, if I just wear this outfit, man, they'll notice me. If I just, if I get another degree, if, if I drive this car, maybe someone will notice me more if I just Post this, if I just get this podcast going, and if I just, if I just, if I just, and, and again, those things aren't bad, but what you got to know this weekend is that they're just trees that we don't need for Jesus to know our pain and for Jesus to know our name, and he's got an invitation for you and for me this weekend that does not require us to climb any trees, that does not require us to perform, that does not require us to strive. And you got to see this. He doesn't just know his name. He says, I must be a guest in your home today. You ever had someone invite themselves over to your house? You'd be like, hold on a second. Now, I didn't invite you over, okay? You invited yourself over to my house, okay? Hey, man, I'm going to come over and watch the game at your house, and you can fire up the grill. But in this case, this isn't just a buddy who wants to enjoy March Madness on somebody else's couch. This is a righteous God that wants to sit 
with perhaps the last person he should be sitting with. The story goes on to say Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people, the people were displeased. He's gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner. They grumbled. You got any grumblers in your life? The last thing that I believe that can be a a hurdle for us having a growing relationship with God is the opinions we've listened to. People can have their opinions, but we ought to be careful of the ones we listen to. I believe what's true for you and, and for me is that we all have competing voices in our head. And some voices are a lot louder than others. But it's easy to find ourselves flooded with opinions about just about everything. For some, it's a parent. For others, it's a coach. For another, it's a teacher. For the next person, it's a sibling whose voice is incredibly loud or a classmate or a neighbor or a colleague or or a boss. And, And all of the aforementioned can be good, godly people at times. But we can never allow any of their opinions to hold greater weight than the opinion and perspective of our almighty God. I've had many friends who've wrestled with allowing public opinion about who they are and what they've done keep them from having a relationship with Jesus and for some even keep them from going to church at all because they're just afraid that they're just going to be judged. I was at a luncheon a couple months ago and and there was a woman there who shared her story being kicked out of her church for being divorced. She's like, not allowed to come. I'm just thinking, does the church have a sign on the door that says no divorced people allowed? It's just like, what in the world is happening? Because if it's perfect people allowed, then the place should be empty. And it just broke my heart and it, And the reason it breaks my heart is because when I read the Gospels, when I read the stories of Jesus, what we find is that there are a lot of marginalized people that crowds spent a great deal of energy moving away from typically lepers, adulterers, divorcees, and yes, tax collectors. And these were some of the exact people that Jesus spent a great deal of time and energy moving towards. So for every person here today 
who's got some pretty loud opinions in your head about who you are and what you've done and where you've been and what that means for how you can have a relationship with Jesus. May the story of Zacchaeus encourage you today. May the story of Zacchaeus be a loud message to you about the character and nature of Jesus Christ and just how much he loves you today. Now, I want you to see what happens when Jesus comes over for dinner. It says, meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord. And if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. This is a story about the worst of the worst of the worst. Standing before the best of the best of the best. The Lord of Lords. The King of Kings. And when those two collided, the bad guy made a decision to turn his whole life around. He says, hey, Jesus. I'm not going to just give back what I stole. I'm actually going to spend my life being generous? Question mark? Because giving back what you stole would be a great start. Giving back double what you stole would be incredibly kind. However, four times the amount? Let's chill, okay? Like, now we're talking about the kind of behavior that only a Jesus follower would attempt to copy and paste into their life. I think it's proof that anybody, anywhere, anytime can indeed change. But what blows me away about this story is not that he changed, it's when he changed. You see, Jesus accepts Zacchaeus just as he was, and came into his home just as he was, and called him by name before he ever changed anything. And I know that you and I live in a world where change is a precursor to acceptance. Get it together, man. Start making better decisions, and then we'll talk. Oh, Jesus, we find that acceptance is a precursor to change. Notice this. Jesus didn't ask Zacchaeus to modify his behavior before Jesus did something for his soul. Jesus didn't even ask him to pay back everything he stole. He certainly didn't ask him to give back four times the amount. Jesus didn't ask him to change his life. Jesus just asked him if he could come over for dinner. And that dinner changed his life. In one dinner, we see the worst of the worst go from being rejected by the crowd to being accepted by the most high God before he ever changed 
a thing. I think the Jesus Zacchaeus encounter gives hope to humanity. About a year ago, I was, I was preaching at a, a church in Chicago, and I was sitting on the, the front row with uh, the pastor and his wife, and in the middle of um, the time in service where we were, were singing songs, um, I see her just kind of leave and go all the way to the back of the room, and I thought it was just a little bit odd, and, and I was like, maybe she had to go use the bathroom, but I was just like, you know, she kind of took off running, and she saw somebody, I was like, something's going on, and then um, about 60 seconds later, she comes back to the front, with a guy, hoodie on, maybe in his 20s, hands in pockets. Kind of, it, was just, it was just a little bit different. He didn't look like he fit in the front of the church. But nevertheless, she had him stand and sit next to her. She, put her, she just put her hand gently on his back and said, hey, it's going to be okay. And I, you know, I preach, and after I go, hey, who, who was, who was the, who was the guy? Who was that guy in the front? And why'd she bring him down to the front? Not that he's not allowed to sit in the front. I was, I was just curious. It just felt like an abnormal circumstance. Now, this church, they have a ministry school where they train and prepare students for future ministry work. And this particular kid got a girl pregnant, and therefore. He was released from that ministry school. And he showed up to church that day. And in my mind, facing his former student peers, facing pastoral staff, in that situation, normally you feel a lot of shame and a lot of embarrassment and disappointment. And he was standing all the way in the back of the auditorium. And my friend, walked all the way to the back to bring him to the front and say, you're sitting with me today. She went and found a Zacchaeus in the back of the room and brought him to the front to says, hey, we love you. And I think he learned some valuable lessons that day. First, pastors are held to a very high standard, and they should be. Bro, we have rules, and you broke one. But secondly, I think he learned that there's no rule that says we can't love you like crazy after you fall short. I think you and I know a lot of Zacchaeus. If we're honest, we've been a Zacchaeus at some point in our life. And what we needed in that moment wasn't a motivational speech. What we needed in that moment was somebody that would be willing to have us sit next to them. What we needed was somebody to come to our house for dinner and remind us that we are loved. Can you imagine? If that was you and that was me, that decided to say, hey, you know, I know some people that have made some terrible decisions, but guess what? Why don't you come sit with me? In summary, I think all of us can have some hurdles when it comes to have a growing relationship with God. One, the mistakes we've made. Two, the stuff we've accumulated. 
Sometimes the stuff can have us or we can have it. But what we don't want to do is for it to take the place of our almighty God. I think the third thing is the places we've come up short. You and I both have insecurities and shortcomings that we think, okay, we got to compensate for to which Jesus is going, uh-uh, you don't need the tree for me to see who you really are. And the fourth thing is I think the opinions of others can keep us from having a growing relationship with God. My prayer for us today is that we'd be the kind of people that don't let these things keep us from having a growing relationship with God. Can I tell you something? I think God wants to spend some time with you this week. Dare I say, I think God's got something he wants to say to you this week, and I would just hate for one of these four hurdles to keep you from doing that. And you might be thinking, hey, and I'm not the kind of person that God talks to you. But let the Zacchaeus story remind you that perhaps you are the exact kind of person that God wants to talk to. And my second prayer is that we'd be the kind of people that don't let these things keep us from loving people who have the same hurdles. Whether you are Zacchaeus or you know one, may we be the kind of people that try and extend the love and grace and mercy of Jesus Christ to the world around us. God, I thank you so much for the opportunity to look at somebody that you loved so much. May it encourage us today. May we not let Hurdles and barriers be between us. May we get a grand picture of your character and your nature that steps over some of our hurdles to reach us right where we're at. God, I pray that each and every person under the sound of my voice would know that no matter what they've done or where they've been, that you love them so much that they're not just a number. They're not just another person in the crowd, but that you know their name, you know their pain, and that you have a grand purpose for their life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you've got anything going on in your life that you need prayer for, our prayer team will be down here at the end of service. We would love to pray with you. We look forward to seeing you next week. Have a great weekend.